John chapter 2, but to 2 John, if you'll go to the book of Revelation and start turning toward the front, you'll come to the book of Jude, and then right in front of that you have 3 John, a short little epistle, and then in front of that, logically, there's 2 John, all right? And we are going to be looking at this little epistle Following up on our study of 1 John, we're looking at 2 John today, and if you'll follow along in your Bible, I'll begin reading. 2 John, the elder, that is John, writing to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we receive commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Having many things to write you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, we ask today that you would open our hearts to the truth of your word, that you would make personal the application of it in our lives And that we would go from here today walking in truth, not just to gain a head knowledge, but, Lord, that we truly would walk in truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's suppose that uh, you took your car to your uh, mechanic and uh, you said, I need you to check everything over here. Something just doesn't seem to be right. And um, you go back to pick it up and he says man this thing this thing's in good shape you should be good to go and you take off down the road and shortly down the road you go to put on the brakes and the brakes fail and come to find out there was no brake fluid in it there was a, a broken brake line and So you go back to the mechanic and you say, hey, did you really check this out? He said, well, 
Yeah, I really did check it out, but you had told me when you brought it in you were having a tough week and you didn't have a lot of money and and I just hated to give you any more bad news and so I I thought it'd be the nicest thing I could do to to just tell you something good, something that you wanted to hear. Well, that'd probably be the last time that um you ever took your vehicle to that mechanic. But the Bible talks much about teachers that do exactly that. And in Second John, we have this letter that John is writing. And um, from the letter, we understand that it's written to a woman. And as we gather from the letter itself, it was written to a mother of several children. Um, we don't know, perhaps a widow. But it appears that somehow she had communicated with the apostle to ask his opinion about certain problems that had come up. Now, think about it. We need, to, we need to back up and kind of place ourselves in their situation. Back in those days, the New Testament was not available. This was just 60 years after Christ's time. So the New Testament hadn't, hadn't been completed. And the leaders of the churches were dependent upon certain individuals, as in the case here, John who traveled from place to place and started churches and, and preached the truth. Well, evidently, some men came to the home of this woman. Maybe it was a house church. We don't know. Probably in the city of Ephesus. And they had raised certain doctrinal problems that, that troubled her or that concerned her and not quite knowing what to do. Somehow she communicated with John and this letter is his response in part how to deal and treat people that teach wrong things. Um, apparently, um, maybe she had provided hospitality to some of these false teachers and um, these people that denied Jesus as the sovereign son of God. And so John wrote to correct some, give some instruction here and, and to provide some correction. Now, from this letter, there's several things that we can learn. Number one, that false teachers have always been present. Satan is a master deceiver, and, and he doesn't just come out and completely tell something that totally, diametrically opposes the truth. He'll mix a little bit of truth in with a little bit of air. Well, the little bit of air is dangerous. We've used the illustration before, if... If you're out working and, and really need a drink bad and someone comes along and says, um, hey, here's a good cold glass of water, but it may have a little arsenic in it. You'll probably say, wait a minute, I'll go drink out of a hot hose before I'll take that water. And, and there were problems here that there were false teachers. There 
have been false teachers since the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, Satan himself was a false teacher. But the dangerous thing is, the false teachers appear as ministers of righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it tells us that um, it should not surprise us that there would be false teachers that appear as teachers of truth because Satan himself appears as a minister of light, as an angel of light. You notice it said in in 2 John and verse 7, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. So he's saying there are many false teachers. There are many, many deceivers. And we also learn from this that false teachers always mess with Jesus. If you want to to identify a false teacher, you begin and you end with what do they believe about Jesus Christ. Back in the late 1800s and then throughout the 20th century, there was a movement... um, that began as a reaction to higher criticism that came from Europe and really was infecting many American and British schools that, that taught a number of false things. As a result of that higher criticism that attacked the Word of God, there began a movement which was known as the the fundamental movement because they believed that there were five fundamentals of faith. Number one, inerrancy of Scripture, that we believe the Scriptures are without error. Number two, the virgin birth, that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. Number three, the substitutionary atonement, that Jesus Christ died in our place, substitutionary to take our death. He was not a sinner, but he took our place on the cross. He bore our sin. He bore our penalty for sin, our death, and he completely paid the penalty for sin. Number three, number four, number four, three, whatever, four, is that We believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ's body was put in the grave and his body rose victorious over death and sin and hell and Satan. And the fifth fundamental is that there is the imminent, meaning any time, the personal return of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ himself is coming again. Now, those were five fundamentals of faith that that people like Bible believers identified with, and they said, 
This is in opposition to the teachings, the modern teachings at that time that said, well, the Bible, we don't know that all of it's true, and we don't know that Jesus Christ was really born of a virgin and, and all these things. And, and there began a, a movement that became known as the fundamental movement. But you notice, of those five things... Really, all five deal directly with Jesus Christ, but in particular, four deal specifically with his life. The first one, the inerrancy of Scripture, of course, we wouldn't know about Jesus Christ if it weren't through the Scriptures. And if, if only part of the Bible is true, how do you know which part? So we know, we believe the inerrancy of scriptures, and then everything else deals with Christ's virgin birth, his substitutionary atonement, his bodily resurrection, and his coming again. False teachers always mess with Jesus Christ. You can't, you can't change what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. Turn with me, just to, just to point out some things. Turn to the book of John, chapter 10. John chapter 10, and notice what Jesus said about himself in verse 7. Then Jesus said to them again, John 10, 7, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So he says right here, Jesus says, I am the door. Turn to John chapter 14. Familiar verse. Many of you know it. But John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, he is the way, he is the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. Turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. In Acts chapter 4. The message is proclaimed. Peter proclaims to them that this Jesus Christ, whom they have crucified, is the stone which the builders rejected, which had become the chief cornerstone. Notice verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other salvation except through Jesus Christ. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11. For other foundation can no one lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There is no foundation that will stand the test of time, that will stand the test of eternity, except Jesus Christ. So, all these verses say with exclusivity that only Jesus Christ. 
false teachers come and change this. And whoever you talk to, you can find out what do you believe about Jesus. For example, Islam believes that Jesus was a created being. He, he hasn't existed for eternity. He is not God. They teach that he is a prophet. But they teach that salvation is through Allah and through works. Just to give you some clear examples. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus Christ is a created being. In fact, they believe that Michael the archangel became Jesus Christ. He lived his life. He then was crucified. He did not rise from the dead. He went back to become Michael the archangel after he was crucified. So, they don't believe he was God. They don't believe he rose again. And they believe that he opened the door for us to earn our own salvation. It's all a works-based thing. Mormonism teaches that Jesus Christ is the brother of the devil, of Lucifer. He was a created being. And that salvation is through Jesus' atonement plus keeping the laws and the ordinances. Anytime it's Jesus plus anything, you know it's wrong. But you have to be very very careful because it's not, do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I believe in Jesus. You could ask uh, a Muslim, do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I believe in Jesus. Oh, they say they believe in Jesus. They must be a Christian. They believe Jesus was a prophet and not God. You can ask people, do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the brother of Lucifer. See, it's not just saying, do you believe in Jesus? What John has written, 1 John, and what he's writing, 2 John, is you must believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he alone provides forgiveness for sins. People, people love to say, well, I believe that all religions, if you're sincere, all religions lead to the same place. That, that cannot be true because... There are certain religions that believe, for example, through Allah brings salvation. And others believe through my works in following this set of religion brings salvation. And others believe in reincarnation that you keep going round and round in life until eventually you might become a god. Now, how can all of those be true when one contradicts the other? People like to say, I don't like the exclusivity of Christianity. Number one, it's not up to us to decide the truth. Number two, you may not like when the mechanic tells you your brake line's broken, you have no brake fluid, you have no brakes. You may not like that, but you like to know the truth so that you can deal with it properly. 
John is saying here that there are false teachers, and false teachers always mess with Jesus Christ. Notice if you'd look in Second John again. Notice if you'd look in verse 9. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. Notice what it says. Whoever does not abide in the doctrine of Jesus Christ, he's saying, if you are off about Jesus Christ, you're off about everything. That is the cornerstone. It's Jesus Christ alone that provides forgiveness of sin. So, if you were to hear us say, or anyone say, trust Jesus Christ and be baptized in our church and you will have everlasting life, you mark it down. It's not Jesus Christ plus baptism. It's not Jesus Christ plus church membership. It's not Jesus Christ plus anything. It's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the virgin-born Son of God, who willingly took my place and offers to me the forgiveness of sins so that I can have everlasting life. And it is that Jesus alone that saves. People love to create their own God. Well, my God would never do this, and my God is this, and my God. It doesn't matter. I can believe that I have a brand new Lamborghini sitting out in the parking lot. And I may act like it, but it's still not. The reality is truth will always prevail. And John is writing and he says to this lady that false teachers must be taken very seriously. Notice what he says. I mean, this is pretty serious stuff. Verse 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, the doctrine about Jesus Christ... If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deed. John's reference is to those false teachers that are instructing others and teaching others foreign to the ways of Jesus Christ. And he says, I don't want you to encourage them. I don't want you to aid them. I don't want you to support them or make them think they are doing a good thing. Notice if you'd look in 1 John chapter 4. I want us to see false teachers must be taken very seriously. Notice verse 1 of 1 John 4. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And he goes on and instructs. What did he say in this? He said, test the spirits. Just because they say, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I love Jesus. Okay. What what about Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? What do I believe about Jesus? So he says, try the spirits. Turn to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16, and notice if you look in verse 17. 
Romans 16 and verse 17. Now I urge you, brother, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. Notice what it says. Mark those that walk contrary to sound doctrine, and he says, avoid them. Turn to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. I want you to see how many different places, and this is just a sampling, how many different places God is writing to believers and saying, be careful. There are many false teachers. And when he says, be careful, don't you just believe anything that you hear here. You need to test it with Scripture. You need to be a student of the Word. There are many, many churches that at one time were preaching the Word of God that that slowly moved away. Notice what he said in Titus chapter 1 and verse 13. This testimony is true, therefore... Well, he, he's speaking to them about the, the false teachers who come in, whose mouths must be stopped in verse 11. They lead whole households astray, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. Verse 12, one of them, a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Notice what he says to do. Therefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn them from the truth. So he says, I want you to rebuke them. We don't have the time to go in and look, but in Second Thessalonians 3, 6, withdraw yourself. Turn away from them in Second Timothy chapter 3. Now, these are those that are wrong about Jesus Christ. He said, if you're off on Jesus Christ, you can't be right. Period. This isn't necessarily speaking about someone that doesn't exactly cross their T's and dot their I's the same way I do. See, Originally, there were the five fundamentals of faith. Through the years, we've almost forgotten what those five fundamentals are. In fact, most fundamentalists can't identify what the five fundamentals are. But we've also now added a bunch of other things that you aren't a fundamentalist if you aren't such and such and such and such and such. The truth of the matter is we need to put off the labels and come back to the Word of God and what God's Word says about Jesus Christ and know what it is because there are many false teachers in the world. And John, if you notice in this, again, he, he carries out the same message. He's, he's coming down pretty hard on false teachers. But you notice in the first few verses, we don't have the time, but it's like five times in the first few verses he mentions truth. But also he mentions over and over again throughout this short little epistle, he mentions love. Notice verse 3. 
Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Throughout this, John's, throughout 1 John, we've seen truth and love. Truth and love. Love one another. Notice in in verses 3 through 6, he says, I'm writing unto you, not a new commandment, an old commandment, to love one another. There are two extremes that you can go to when dealing with false doctrine. One is that you coddle it, any idea that comes down the pike, and you don't use any discrimination, and uh, you just fellowship with whatever. Well, they said they're Christian. The other is that you separate from... Almost anyone who ever slightly disagrees with you about anything. They don't agree with me 100% on everything. Come to find out, you probably don't agree with yourself 100% on everything as well. The issue is that the teachers who deny the Bible teaching about Jesus Christ must be, as we've seen, avoided and rebuked, but it must be done with love. Do I care about others? Or do I take the truth and just beat them up? You know, you can be very brutal with truth. Do I do it to try to win them? But John is saying, these that are committed teachers of air. He said, avoid them. Don't encourage them. Don't invite them into your home. But the key is, we must abide in truth and in love. Holding the truth in love. Stand for what is right with the right spirit. Sodium is an extremely active element found naturally only in a combined form. In other words, it always links itself to another element. Chlorine, on the other hand, is a poisonous gas. It's the poisonous gas that gives bleach its offensive odor. When sodium and chlorine are combined, the result is sodium chloride, which is those... Physicists, chemists, what is sodium chloride? Salt. Okay? So here you take something that is a free element and attaches itself to something else, and you take something that is a poisonous gas and you put them together, and we'll use it today at lunch to season our meat, and um, love and truth are very similar. Love without truth is not really love, but it's flighty, it's sometimes blind, it's willing to attach itself to various doctrines that can be offensive and sometimes even poisonous. Truth, on the other hand, spoken without love, can be devastating, can drive people um, 
farther from Christ. Well, they can't get farther from Christ, but it will prevent them from coming because we're concerned about us and not about helping them come one step closer to Christ. Rather than the illustration with the car, imagine you went to a doctor's office for a checkup. He said, you are a magnificent specimen. And you, "Ah, thank you very much. You are to be congratulated with how you've taken care of your body. Later that day, while you're climbing the stairs, your heart gives out on you. And um, after you've recovered some, you say to your doctor, Doctor, did, did, did you see any signs of this? I was just that day with you. He says, well, I knew your body was in worse shape than the Pillsbury Doughboy, but I just couldn't bring myself to telling you that. I mean, we want our, we want our doctor's office to be a place that people come and feel safe and feel secure. Um. Despite what you'd want to do to that doctor, you'd probably be finding a new doctor. Adrian Rogers said, It is better to be divided by truth than to be united in air. It is better to speak the truth that hurts and then heals than falsehood that comforts and kills. It is not love and it is not friendship if we fail to declare the whole counsel of God. It is better to be hated for telling the truth than to be loved for telling a lie. It is impossible to find anyone in the Bible who was a power for God, who did not have enemies and was not hated. It is better to stand alone with truth than to be wrong with the multitude. It is better ultimately to succeed with truth than to temporarily succeed with a lie. The question we need to ask ourselves is not so much about others, but do I know the truth? Do I believe right about Jesus Christ? Do I love the truth? Do I value the truth? Do I represent the truth in love? person who won't change his mind to line up with truth will change the truth to line up with his mind and will ultimately be devastated. Are you today a lover of truth? This today is more about us. Am I a person of truth? And as we are committed to truth, it's not so much going out and pointing out in others, But we'll know, wait a minute, there's air there. That isn't something that I'm going to believe. Do you test the things that you hear? There are many false teachers. But we must abide in truth and in love. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would minister these truths personally in our lives today. Lord, I pray if there's one here today that is not sure that they have received the gift of your forgiveness. They're not sure that as we had sung earlier, no condemnation, now I fear. 
Lord, I pray if there's one that is not sure that they have everlasting life, I pray today that they would come to trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And then, Lord, I pray for each believer here today. Help us to have a commitment to truth. Lord, help us to to wrap that truth in the love of you and that we would be willing to stand for truth, even if it is alone, and to stand in such a manner that would bring glory to you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have wisdom from above, help us to have discernment, and Lord, help us to walk in truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together with our